Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up? Welcome back, Rockstars. We have a phenomenal conversation for you today. I am joined by Mark Green. He's a speaker, author, business growth expert. His clients are the CEOs of 50 to $400 million companies who are stuck in the growth trap. So we talk about the hidden growth killers. And that's really the topic of his book, Activators. So we go deep into a couple of things. One of the things that fascinated me about Mark's book was the progression of motivators to habits to beliefs. And so we dive into that. We talk about motivators and, and some of, the, uh, some of the, the things in our past that cause us to believe certain things and cause us to lack that positive fuel of what he calls purposefulness uh, or why, what Napoleon Hill might call have a definite, having a definite purpose uh, to really propel us forward. Uh, Mark correctly points out that having that fuel is often what gives us that, that determination and that grit to change our habits and then to re-examine our beliefs. So we also went really deep on beliefs. And, and what we mean by that is, what are some of those stories that we're telling ourselves that cause us to have certain beliefs about our past, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about our future that hold us back, right? And, and Mark being in the coaching space, he gets to see it from an external perspective. And a lot of us, well, we all need that, but a lot of us miss uh, when we're examining our own beliefs. We need that external perspective of somebody from the outside who can see the things that we don't see, the potential in us and in our business that we don't see and help us overcome those limiting beliefs, those disempowering beliefs that are kind of really rooted really, really deep in our, our, our past and our identity and our ego. And so we talk a little bit about how do you reframe those stories? How can you look at the stories that you've been telling yourself from a different perspective? And Mark gives some really great kind of reframing questions. We also talk about the two ways to change, right? So if you understand that you have bad habits and you get clear on your motivation and why you're doing what you're doing, well, then how do you actually bring that into the, the tactical level of real moment-to-moment -moment change. And then we finish out with talking about what Mark looks for uh, in a personal coach for himself and what he often asks other coaches. And uh, we talk about his own personal X factors, right? So how is it that he came to think so strategically and abstractly and put together this amazing book that he's put out, you know, and how that relates to the work that he does with CEOs. And we talk a little bit about how those X factors have evolved over the years. So this is, a, like I said, an absolutely phenomenal in-depth conversation. I encourage you to go grab the book. Uh, make sure that you connect with Mark and uh, let's, let's talk with uh, Mark Green. Mark, officially welcome to the UX podcast. Hey, Matt, thank you. It's great to be with you. Really excited for this conversation because we're going to dig deep on some very interesting things. You've got a, an incredible background that I alluded to earlier and uh, you've worked with a lot of high-powered CEOs and executive leadership and you've seen a lot and I really want to dive into a couple of the key concepts, but let's set the stage a little bit. So tell us a little bit about just the hidden growth killers, uh, the top things that you see common to CEOs. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a result of about 15 years of practice and self-awareness and seeing things in me, seeing things in my colleague coaches and seeing things in my clients. And what I started to see very clearly is there was no lack of information about what to do and how to get it done. 
in the business world. You can find books galore, conferences, podcasts, resources, everything. But that was never the problem. The problem always occurred where we knew what to do or we knew how to do it, but yet we weren't doing it. We weren't getting it done. And so it was, well, why? Why isn't it happening? And that was the genesis of this research project that I took on that ultimately yielded the book, Activators, um, that caused me to identify three hidden growth killers that are really the root cause of the reason why, why it is we don't get things done that we, that we know we should get done. And uh, they are our motivators, our habits, and our beliefs. And each of these three things operates in some combination within each of us. And mm-hmm. what, what, the, what the difference is, is whether it's helping us or whether it's hurting us. And the purpose of the book and the purpose of the tools I created was to make it very practical and actionable, not an academic mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And, and I want to start with the, the motivators real quick, because you made a statement that essentially there, there's a lot of leaders or, or almost every leader feels like they're clear about why they do what they do, which really stuck out to me because I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, so what is, what is the symptom of thinking that you're clear on why you're doing something, but actually not having dug into it and done the hard work? Yeah, we have a tendency, particularly in the United States, to not be very emotive, to not connect with emotion. Um, we we st- sort of stay safe. We're not very vulnerable uh, in how we're brought up. And that's actually a problem. And it causes us to leave a lot of things on the table. Uh, the answer I typically get from a CEO when I ask the question, well, what's your purpose here? Uh, is, well, I want to make a lot of money. I want to retire. I want to provide for my family. I want a yacht. Uh, you know, uh, I want to make a difference in the world. Um, these might all be technically correct, but they're all devoid of emotional content. And it's the emotional content that actually provides us uh, intrinsic motivation. Yeah. And so what, what we need to do is an exercise with a series of whys, okay, mm-hmm. to sort of dig through the fat, through the bone, uh, through the meat into the bone um, mm-hmm. to get to some emotional bedrock of why you're doing this. Um, and it's like, well, I, I want to... Uh, you know, have a, make a difference in the world. Okay. Well, why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. Well, for this. Okay. Well, but why is that important to you? Okay, mm-hmm. That. And this successive conversation of whys can typically get us in. And my measure of success is that if you verbalize your purpose, okay, your why, you should get goosebumps on, on your arms, maybe the back of your neck a little bit, like that tingly feeling that we get when we're really somewhere deep and emotional uh, but in a good way. Um, and if you don't get goosebumps, you, you haven't dug deep enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to do by yourself. You might want to find a colleague or a friend um, or somebody on the outside to help ask you these questions and, and really hold you accountable to not sort of cop out, not mail in the answers mm-hmm. uh, and stay at the surface, but, but dig deep. Yeah. And, and I, the journey that I've been over the last, you know, six months to a year, especially working with my own coach uh, has been really interesting because I wouldn't have made this connection earlier, but now I see the connection, Mm. right? The the direct connection between motivators into habits. I think we have to be in touch with that level of our why, because then that becomes the positive fuel we need to adopt new habits because of, you know, overriding older habits is extremely difficult. It like, there's a ton of inertia there. So does that, does that make sense? Am I getting that link right between the motivators and how that flows directly into habits? Yeah. Um, purposefulness yields incredible grit and determination. 
Yeah. Um, and so I, I like the term purposefulness. Mm-hmm. And you may have observed, uh, your listeners might, might have observed this in other people where you look at somebody who's at, at the top of their game and you look at them and think they're like fearless. Like, how do they know how to say that? How do they push back on this person? How do they, how do, they do the things they do? Because those are things that, from my point of view, I look at and, and I think, wow, I'm actually fearful of doing those things. So I label them fearless, right? Right. And I, and I did this once way back in my own development. And I came to learn that I was mistaking fearlessness for purposefulness, Matt. Um, mm. And it, it's that they were very purposeful. And it gave them the grit and the ability to put themselves where they needed to be for maximum effect. And so there's an absolute carryover uh, for, for purposefulness uh, into habits, how we, how we create new habits, um, and also just the ability to do the hard things that are an inevitable part of any success journey. Hmm. It's really, really good. So purpose, purposefulness yields determination and grit. Love it. Okay. So let's dive into the belief. So we've gone past motivators and habits and you obviously can dive into the activators book for more, more detail on that. Cause you've got a, a lot of great material in the book on how to expose, you know, the current habits, how to change and develop new, new, more empowering habits that will stop killing your growth. So let's jump into the beliefs. Cause that really, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately in my own life. It's something I've been thinking about both in a marketing context, context when you are, for instance, a lot of the listeners are selling business coaching and consulting, and that gets right at the heart of people's belief system about who they are and what their destiny is, right? Because it's about what, what they believe that they can achieve. And then if they believe they can achieve it, do they need help along the journey? And what are the challenges that come up along the way? So let's talk about like, how did you come to really diving deep into the beliefs? So I came upon uh, a researcher, a psychologist by the name of Philip Zimbardo. Uh, he's a professor emeritus up at Stanford University uh, now. And uh, among the things he's well known for are his research is his research into time perspectives. And it's mm. this idea that we all, whether we realize it or not, have a relationship with our past, with our present, and with our future. And he did research around this and identified aspects that we could have a view of our past that that could be helpful to achievement or could actually harm us uh, and hurt our ability to achieve. And the same is true for our view of the present and the same is true of our view of, uh, of the future. And what I found is the past is the one that's the most potentially damaging. Um, And frankly, it's the one that I've dealt with the most when I've helped other coaches or consultants um, as a mentor, um, because we get hung up in our belief about the way things are based on our past experiences without regard to whether that's even relevant to us today or is applicable to what we're trying to do. Okay. So once you realize, especially from, tell me a little bit about what it's like from the coach's perspective. So you can see from the outside in that someone has a limiting or some disempowering belief and, and they want that big thing that's on the other side because it fits in with their big why. So you know all that. And then even to an extent, they know all that. How do you lead them through a process of getting them to shift and change those beliefs? So one of the key things to do is to unpack the past event. And believe me, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. It's not what I do. Okay. However, uh, we unpack the past event and, and the question is, okay, what was the, what was the past event that you're remembering that's 
coloring how you're looking at your current situation. Um, and there's actually a tool in the book called Reframe Your Past that, that walks you right through it. Um, and we can point all the listeners to the tools, which are all available online as well. Um, so by reframing this event um, and, and not just looking at it in terms of what was negative about it, but actually asking yourself questions like, well, what, what actually came of this that was a good thing that maybe we're not thinking about? Um, and what are other ways we, we can look at this event in our past now um, mm-hmm. that's different than we were able to look at it then? Um, and it, it helps to, to reframe that. Um, and, and then there's a whole bunch of other behavioral techniques that I use um, to help people just move to action. Um, and not spend a lot of time in their head on things, um, but just go and get things done. And so an example of this would be um, for somebody who has a hard time picking up the phone uh, and making a call to a prospective client, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, plenty. And, uh, and it might be because at one point in their past, they were in a position to have to make cold calls or phone calls to to perspective people and they were treated really horribly and they actually felt like crap like it actually um devalued their view of themselves yeah and and so they're hesitant to do it again right and and so what i would want to do in that case is help them see that they actually learned um to to get in touch with that feeling and that that feeling can be debilitating to them and therefore they can use that and as an advantage to move forward um and, and also, they learned grit and determination by doing that because they're, they're, they're better than any kind of interaction with one individual, one person. And so what I would have them do to move forward is say, okay, go find three people you know who are very, very good at just making those phone calls, okay? And talk to each of them and ask them, when you make that phone call, what do you actually do? What do you do? What are you thinking? How do you make the phone call? and take really good notes, and then synthesize the results, and then just go do it. It's this behavioral change mechanism of like, fake it till you make it. (laughs) And it's really effective. There's two ways, I get into a lot of depth in the book, and we don't have time now, but there's two ways to change. One is to think your way into being, and the other is to be your way into thinking. Right. And this approach is to be your way into thinking. Just do the behavior. And over time, you're going to get better at it, and you're, it's going to put your mind in the right place. Um, same way we learned how to ride a bike. You know, I mean, we scraped our knee, but we got back on the bike. And that's how we learn. Yeah, that's really good. So two, two different ways to change. Think your way into being and be your way into thinking. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and I'm, both will work. The, the think into being takes a lot longer. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot longer. It's a mechanism people use affirmations, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. To change their beliefs uh, first. Uh, mm. Or... This, this approach where, you know what, just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. And, and by the way, that's where purposefulness helps because you're going to be more willing to undergo short-term discomfort or sort of out of your comfort zone time mm-hmm. knowing that there's a prize that, you're, that you want in the future which is related to your sense of, of purpose. And you've got that really, really clear. And that's where the grit comes in because you're more willing to step out of your comfort zone today for a future reward than if you don't have the clear purpose. Hmm. Love it. It's, uh, and and what, what I love about it is that everything is incredibly logically well laid out, sequential, linear, like a, it just, it's extremely well, well constructed, well thought out. 
Uh, I'm curious because that leads me to a, a kind of an off the off the topic question. The fact that you have this kind of you you have a great methodology and and, and an abstract constant like a con- abstract thinking process. So when you think about in your own life, if you were to if you were to look at a coach for yourself, or when you evaluate the types of coaches that you want to bring into your life, what do you personally look for? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I look for someone who is significantly more accomplished than me. And, and this, is, um, this is an issue for a lot of people because our comfort zone is around people who are like us or maybe incrementally better than us. And the problem is those, are, those can be very good people, but they're not going to really help you change your mindset or really challenge what you're doing and get you to a next place. Um, you need to pick somebody who puts your ego at risk. You, you need to pick somebody that when you're in the room with them, your pulse actually increases because you're nervous about the next question they're going to ask you. Um, and again, this is this idea of being out of your comfort zone um, so that you can impel yourself to grow. Uh, and ironically, there's another tool in the book called the New Neighborhood Tool, and it does exactly this. It helps you identify not just in terms of who should be a coach for you, but who should be in your neighborhood um, mm. that's going to get you where you want to go. And we always aim too low. And it's the, the tyranny of the peer group, by the way, is, like, <laughs> kills me. And there's plenty of great organizations that do forums and peer groups, but plenty. And they're really right. great organizations. There's a lot of value there. Mm. However, it's different than what you get from being in a room of absolutely next level people or in the presence of somebody who puts your ego at risk when you're in the room with them. And just the growth opportunity there is 10, 50, 100x what it would be in a peer group of people who are eh, about the same level as you. Yeah, that's that's really good advice uh, for for anybody, especially if you're if you're in the audience and and you are a very good strategic thinker. Sometimes it's easy uh, to to go out and you find somebody else that you bond over your ability to think abstractly. But you're you're 100 right in the sense that if you find someone who is significantly more accomplished, that there, there's something about it. there's a reason why people still pay Tony Robbins, even though all of his material is free, and you can go to his events for you know ten thousand dollars or you know even for the highest level events. Uh, so I think there's a lot of truth to you. You pay someone who is significantly more accomplished because you yourself take what they say more seriously because it puts your ego at risk if you don't. Yeah, and I'll get on my soapbox here for a second and, and tell you one other thing that makes me nuts okay. uh, about practitioners. They don't eat their own dog food, okay? okay. We don't practice what we preach. And uh, I, I pride myself. There is nothing I will ask a client do, to do ever mm. that I haven't done myself or for yeah. myself. Uh, and it, it makes me crazy. So one of the killer questions when, when, I, um, when I talk to a CEO sometimes who's looking for a coach, uh, but the geography's wrong or my practice is full or I, I, I can't um, help them, I'll, I'll say, listen, um, I actually have an article on my website, how to hire a coach that, yeah, that's that. pretty handy. Uh, but I say, here's the question you got to ask. When's the last time you met with your coach? Okay. Right. Because if I'm asking that question to a coach, when's the last time you oh, met with your right. coach? Right. OK. Uh, and that coach says, humana, 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 or can't come back and say, oh, 
here's the answer to that question. It was two weeks ago. Then I say, okay, what kinds of things do you talk about with your coach? Mm -hmm. Because again, it's a matter of integrity. We have coaches and consultants out there beating the drum about why people need a coach Mm -hmm. and yet they don't do that themselves. And there's an integrity issue, which by the way, affects your belief system when you're toe to toe with a CEO or potential client. And they say, hey, why should I work with you? Because subconsciously, you actually know you're out of integrity. Yes. Um, and that's a whole nother story. Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> that's really, really good, though. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's take a quick step back and tell people where they can connect and where they can grab the book. And then I've got a final question for you. All right. That sounds great. So the book is available uh, on uh, Amazon uh, it, and the Kindle version. It's also on Audible. And uh, the book website is activators.biz, B-I-Z. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Coach Mark Green, Coach Mark Green on LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay. So, so the reason the podcast is called UX is because it's, got, it's a, partly about finding your X factors, right? So the unique skills and abilities that really drive and are kind of the beating heart of your business, so to speak, and then figuring out how to leverage that uh, into the type of business model that gives you the freedom and the impact you want, right? So I'm curious, like when you reflect back on the coaching career and just what you've built, the book that you've written and things like that, what are some of the, what are the one or two really unique skills and abilities you can pin down internally that your entire business career has kind of been based on? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I think it's evolved. Like my, my, there are things I'll tell you now to answer your question that mm-hmm. uh, 15 years ago weren't the case. Okay. Really? And I, and there's okay. no way I would be here if not for those things. So mm-hmm. one of them, first of all, is to be able to tell the brutal, brutal truth. Uh, Pat Lencioni calls it enter the danger right? Mm-hmm. It's to name the elephant in the room. If your baby's ugly and you need to hear it, I'm going to tell you your baby's ugly, okay? Uh, now, I'll be very compassionate about it, and you'll know I'm saying it in your interest, but mm-hmm. I, I say what needs to be said, and, and I think that not enough people do that. And again, mm-hmm. you have to be on really firm footing um, yeah. to, to, you know, to, to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm dealing today in my, in my coaching practice with some pretty high-power folks uh, in terms of professional CEOs, professionally managed teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, businesses with over a thousand employees, um, you know, up to half a billion in revenue. I mean, mm-hmm. these are not mom and pop operations here. Yeah. Um, but naming the elephant in a room full of execs like that is very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be one of the things I was afraid of. And ironically, today, it's one of the things that, that drives most of the value that I bring for my clients. So that's definitely something. And the other thing is um, my, um, I'm never quite satisfied with where I am in my business model. Um, I'm a very strategic thinker and I'm always looking to continue to evolve the model. Um, It's not that I'm not satisfied with my results. It's, it's that I keep pushing forward. Um, And I know uh, I get comments from other coaches that, that I know that they sort of, um, look up to me, I think, in this regard, um, because I always seem to be pushing the envelope with something um, mm. that ends up in pushing the practice forward, and then it becomes something I can share with others as a part of the model. Um, and, uh, and I don't work with coaches, just to be clear, individually, um, but I do mentor coaches uh, around the world and have those kinds of relationships, because it, it, mm. I, I wouldn't be where I was, where I am now, without the benefit of those whose uh, shoulders I was able to stand on. And so I feel very compelled to, to continue to give back. 
Yeah, we might have to have another conversation about that because that's one thing that I do spend a lot of time thinking about and interviewing very, very smart people at the intersection of kind of the business consulting world and the agency world because I see some really interesting business models emerging, everything from fractional services to a combination of, you know, hybrid done for you, done with you model, like all kinds of things that are emerging. Uh, so I spend a lot of time thinking about that too. Um, for me, my goal, I don't know if it's your goal too, but my goal is to maximize the impact and the time and financial freedom I get from, from my expertise and creativity um, without scaling to, for example, a thousand employees, because that sounds terrible to me. And there's a lot of other people like me that feel that same way. Oh yeah. We, we need to keep talking because we're very aligned with that. Um, okay. And I'll tease the listeners a little bit and, and say, uh, so I have a solo practice. I actually don't even have an assistant. What? Okay. okay. Don't even have an, an assistant. And um, at, uh, as of January 1st of each year, I can tell you where uh, probably about 80% of my revenue for that year is going to come from because it's already under contract. Okay. That's an awesome model for a coach. Yes. Um, it's completely predictable, completely stable. Um, my client relationships last me years Mm -hmm. uh, and I maintain a relatively small portfolio of 10 to 12 clients. Yeah, which um, is perfect. If you're, are you a little bit, just out of curiosity, are you a little more on the introverted side? Do you want to limit the number of people that have direct access to you? Um, I do, not because I'm introverted, um, but because like you, I'm protective of my time and my lifestyle. Yeah, okay. okay. That's, a, that's a very deliberate choice. And so I, I created a strategy for myself that reflects all of that. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm an unabashedly very lazy guy. Uh, and I've built my business to serve that, right? So <laughs> my wife and I can go do great trips and, and I don't have to sit up late at night doing all kinds of busy work that I think other practitioners do because they feel compelled to always show continuing value. But they're, but they're, but they're chasing a red herring with that. Um, because well, that's yeah, because they, the, the well, the, the expertise and the strategic insights should be where your value as a coach comes from, not from doing busy work and helping people track their metrics and things like that. Like that's, that's yeah. 10 and $12 an hour work. Oh, oh yeah. So okay. one of the things that's awesome when I'm in a room full of execs um, and we get going down a little bit of a rabbit hole in terms of something detailed and tactical and somebody in the room looks up and says, hey, wait a minute. While Mark is here, we should not be talking about this because it's just not worth his time. Yes. And I swear, every time somebody says that, and it happens a couple times a year, probably, I literally hear a cash register ring in my brain. Um, <laughs> be, because is there any other possible validation of value than that comment? Nope. I love it. It's great, right? Yeah. All right. So we'll have to have another conversation. We'll either, either having you on the podcast or behind the scenes because we have many things to talk about. Okay. So it's activators.biz. Uh, the book for me, uh, you can go grab it on Amazon. So um, for anyone that, uh, that wants to kind of get into your head, which I think they absolutely should, that this is incredibly well, very strategically laid out. So from a coaching perspective, if you want to see what, what a, you know, uh, another model is in terms of how to get results for your clients, this is a great book. If you're, if you're the entrepreneur, you're the CEO who needs this, go grab it either way. Uh, go grab it. So Mark, I really appreciate your time. Matt, thanks for having me and we'll definitely do it again. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. 
Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.